0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan, joined by today, Kevin Kincaid. We are going to be talking today to a couple of individuals from the Chinatown community, more specifically, the Asian Pacific Islander Political Alliance, Kenny Chu and Mohan Seisadri. We're going to talk about, obviously, Chinatown versus the Sixers. Can there be compromise? That'll be up here at 1215 first. I want to bring on my guy, Kevin Kincaid, because it has been a very interesting 48 hours since we last did a show on Tuesday. We've got, you know, the the Flyers hot mic incident. We've got Taiwan Walker refuting reports that he said no to the uh, to the All-Star game. Juan Soto flying home with the Phils just Supposedly, apparently, I guess I didn't know this. I should have listened more to the morning show, I guess, growing up. Keith Jones is an apparent serial farter slash burper. But I want to talk right now with the hot mic incident. Actually, every time a reporter asks a shitty question, should they just play a a Keith Jones ripping a fart into the uh into the mic? Well, was it a shitty question? No. It wasn't a shitty question because what are you supposed to talk to with a career fourth liner in the middle of July? Yeah. That's yeah. why it wasn't a shitty question. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's an I- annoying question that people hear all the time, you know, whether you're covering the Eagles, whether you're covering the Flyers, whether you're covering the Phils or, or the Sixers. Yes, it's your generic press conference question which sometimes do we i, I don't even know who garnet garrett hemingway Hethenway, whatever the hell his name is i've never even heard of the guy
1: i missed the news i didn't even know that they had signed him that was my first it's uh, <laughs> inkling that i knew that they had signed it's me.
0: going to do 200 views on the youtube it's going to do maybe a thousand on the periscope like like does every guy who's coming in need a press conference i don't know another thing is does would this have happened if – would this immediate blowback and all this blowback, you know, darreny e. Breer is going on a press run for the ages. They're releasing statements. He's on both 97.5 and 94.1 yesterday. The statements are the statements. Does this happen if it's like Sam Carcitti? Does this happen if it's Charlie O'Connor? Does this happen if it's Ant? I think if it happens if it's Ant. We're just roasting his ass in the Slack group chat right now just being like, <laughs> you, totally, you totally just got fucking – just uh, so fucking played by some digital media guy in the background there where where are you uh is this getting blown out of proportion if it's like if it's car if it's the bull
1: yeah i mean well to answer that question first there are certainly like guys who go from team to team who ask like really basic shit and we all just kind of look at each other and are like Ugh, you know but some of those people have specific jobs to ask certain questions you know because like i'll try to give you an example like there's one person who does like national radio, collects sound bites for national radio. So that person's not interested in like interesting stuff. Their job literally is to get basic surface level quotes and then they disperse them throughout the whole network. So that's, that's an example of that. But yeah, there's some eye rolling that takes place when, when men, when experienced men ask questions too. Um But yeah, there's nothing wrong with the question. It was a fine question. It was just rudimentary. You know, it was basic. It was like, you know, you know, why'd you want to come here? Yeah. There, there's some <laughs> Those summer off-season yeah signing Zoom calls are like the most useless things ever. I've been to like a million of them with the Sixers where it's just like, well, you know, uh, what made you want to come here, you know, or what do you what do you think about it? what's the first thing you're gonna do when you come to Philly? Yeah, same same with the exit interviews too. Where they do, where they do those where it's like, what do you want to work on this summer? You know, and the guy's like, well, you know, work work on my handle. I want to work on my three point shooting. So no, she didn't she didn't do anything anything wrong. It was a rudimentary question. It's not a bad question.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah. Look, there's a couple of things I want to attack. First is I've been in corporate America. You've been in corporate America. That's funny. The that Jeff Skaversky was the king of Captain Obvious questions. That is 100. Yeah.
1: percent that's a perfect example because again, Je- Jeff was not um, was, he was not working for the Athletic, right? So no. he didn't care about you know are the Sixers angling their pick and roll screens the right way. You know, he he would ask for an ABC audience like. What does it mean to have the fan all the fans here? You know? Yeah, like what okay.
0: what grandma and what grandpa can like access at the six o'clock or the eleven o'clock news at six A B C. Like what's a good yeah. question for old Grampy, yeah. old mom mom and pop pop? Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, you know, basic surface level stuff. So yeah, some people are, you know, have a specific task in mind, right? That they're so they're looking for, yeah. So they employ a certain style of
0: question asking and they look for certain they have a certain strategy one thing i hope is i hope this guy doesn't get fired i hope he doesn't get fired because yeah it was a shitty hot mic incident but man does it happen so much i mean i was in corporate america you've been in corporate america like when someone that the team just hates and you're on weekly maybe even daily phone calls shit talking on the conference call while it's muted is like america's pastime like it's baseball I mean, that really brings the camaraderie. <laughs> I have people I'm thinking of right now who I just absolutely loathed when I was at Comcast. And if they would get on the mic or get on the conference call, it was just always someone. We deal with it now in XL Media. It's just someone that just wants to hear themselves talk. Typically, it's someone who doesn't have a point. We've all been there. Unfortunately, this guy gets called on Comcast. I, always, oh, think, I always look at the mute, my man. Yeah. As long as it's not Jeffrey
1: Tubin and you're caught like stroking it on the camera or whatever, it's you true. know,
0: but this was like, but the funny
1: thing too about it was that the the um maybe Craig can pull it up and, and play it. But it, like, the funny thing is that the PR staff was, I guess, was running, this is how Anthony explained it. The PR staff was running the zoom call, but because the, then the digital team was listening to the zoom call and then sh- streaming it from there. So because the mic was open, <laughs> you just heard this terrible, like uh Echo and reverb the whole time, as you can hear here.
0: Hey, Garnet, I
2: was just wondering, as um, a veteran with a relatively successful <laughs> NHL career, what makes the Flyers, who in a rebuild state, <laughs> a destination <laughs> that this How many times is she gonna you? ask this fucking
0: question? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's really a lot of things like can to
1: to. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> shout it, out, shout out, to Garnet. <laughs> shout out to Garnet because he just, you know, he heard it and he just ran with it. Like, he, I, don't, no, I, don't I don't think he heard it. it. No, Are I don't, he, don't think he,
1: so. No, because he was in the Zoom call. Right, and so like imagine like you've got your computer set up here, and Mm -hmm. then the the digital people were then taking that broadcast and putting it out to everybody else. So I think he could only hear the reporter with no like reverb or anything on it.
0: Yeah, like on like
1: two different streams or whatever. Yeah, but first of all, doesn't he look like Roy Kent a little bit from um, from Ted Lasso? He's good.
0: He's a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it just it just sucks that. Garnet Hemingway, or whatever the hell his name is, is going to be remembered for this. He's not going to be remembered for anything on the on the ice. This is uh, yeah. always what he's going to be remembered for. And that is amazing. It's, it's like Carrie Williams. Carrie Williams will always be remembered for the sconces. Raleigh Cooper will always be remembered for the country concert. Like, there won't ever be Kevin Curtis... You know, there's other guys like Kevin Curtis, who are always remembered for like three touchdowns and 100 yards in those shitty uh, blue and yellow jerseys. Oh, Young yeah. guys, yeah. <laughs> guys are remembered for all the field stuff. Other guys are remembered for off the field stuff. And we're going to put Garnet Hemingway in that basket. I want to talk but, to you about think Real through. quick,
1: hang on. Though. The, you, so like for the people who are listening, like because people seem to be confused about this. You hear a female voice come in oh, yeah. um, at the end of that. It's not Gianna from the inquiry. It was like a second person, mm-hmm. a second flyers employee, who was kind of sitting next to the other guy. And she was like mocking the question being sardonic. Like, well, the flyers suck. Why would you want to play? Yeah. <laughs> but that was, awesome, was, yeah, yeah, because it was like kind of inaudible, um, you know, it, um, it, at times is fight. You just, all you really heard was like the flyers, <laughs> yeah, the, the flyers suck thing. And you're like, oh, this is, you know,
0: it was kind of, it was kind of nice. You just kind of like hear the insight of like, you know, People who work for the Flyers be like, Yeah, we know he suck. Like, why would like he's the fourth liner? Why the hell would he want to come here? He wanted to come here because they were paying him whatever he was, the league minimum or a million dollars. That's why he wanted to come here. Because yeah. no one else was giving him a freaking contract. You yeah, don't think there, he would go no- play for Boston? Yeah, it was like because they're tanking and they're the only ones who will, who will sign me. Um, so this is, why, this is why I think it's fascinating. And um, stop me wherever you want to stop me. But the reason why I think this whole thing is fascinating and, and, and it has Gianna Han with the flyers and everything is because the reason I think they're going on such this press tour and, and all these um, all, uh, and these statements and stuff is because this is probably the worst reporter that it could happen to. If you're the Flyers. Like the Flyers need the Inquirer. The Inquirer is the leading paper, publication, whatever, that is doing all the anti-arena, carrying the water anti-arena articles for the Flyers right now. So, like, that's the reason why I believe that like a statement came out, which is fine. Release a statement. I think whoever would have whoever would have happened to on the beat, they release a statement. We call it a day. But for Danny Briere to go on 97.5. Then go on to WIP, make sure he hits everywhere. I think the Flyers are like, shit, we have to repair this damage right now because the Inky needs to keep writing those anti arena pieces so the Sixers stay in the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> well, not just that, but, you know,
1: Jonesy comes from a media, just came out of a media role, you know, and so he understands like the, the need to kind of get out in front of these things and, and be present and have a, like a quick response, you know. Um, so I give them credit for getting that apology and getting that statement up there pretty quickly. You know, and it said in the Inquirer story this morning, it said that they reached out that Keith Jones and um, Danny Breer reached out to Gianna and reached out to um, Lisa Hughes, the publisher, I guess, at the Inquirer to apologize. So, I mean, they did the right thing. You know, I don't know if that's a fireable offense. I think that's a very arbitrary thing. I mean, some people want to fire everybody for everything some people don't think anything is worthy of being (laughs) fired fired for so um but no i mean i think they did the right thing jumping out and and saying hey this is not what we're all about i think jonesy like that's best part of why he was brought into to like kind of help this like cultural shift with them a little bit like hey Mm -hmm. we stepped in some shit here let's like just you know do the right thing and get out in front of it and you know blah blah so i think but i think that was yeah i mean that's i don't know if the flyers of of you know
0: the like brochure area years
1: ago or whenever would have would have. Yeah, would have done that. So
0: now this I was rereading the statement today and I was like thinking about it. And the one part that really made me laugh about it was uh, when they wrote any disrespect towards reporters is completely unacceptable, especially when they are simply doing their job. Do the Flyers understand who they hired as a coach? Do the Flyers understand. Well, I, that I John know. Torella yeah, is yeah. going to undress somebody and rip someone a new asshole, probably by the 10th game of the year. Like that just makes this, this statement even more hilarious. I know that's a fight. I mean, that's a real, that was a
1: really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine like your first, you know, big, um, uh, you know, beat reporter job at a major market. You get, you get, you start on the flyers when Elaine Vigneault is oh. there, he gets sacked, um, like a month or two into it. Then they had, uh, you know, Mike, yo come in and do the, the interim thing. And, uh, then <laughs> you're blessed with, the. John Tortorella, right? Like, wel- welcome to uh, welcome to NHL beat, beat reporting. You know, I mean, you're like you're like thrown like thrown right to uh, right to the wolves or whatever. So I, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess we we don't have to get into all the Inquirer stuff. I wrote that column about it. I, I didn't get as much pushback as I thought I would, but
0: yeah why, I mean, because it was like, written and nuanced and people could agree with it and also disagree with it but they could also see where you're coming from that's probably why i didn't get much pushback it's a tough situation
1: i mean and especially with the flyers too where i think the thing that people need to understand about the flyers beat and the flyers culture specifically is that it's it's it is insulated and it is um um pr- protective and parochial you know i mean i, I i've it's funny because I, I think sometimes like you'll get you will get the occasional flyers fan who's like hey why don't you guys do more um you know hockey coverage or something right so i cobble together like i'm not really a hockey guy but i try to write something and then i'll put it out there and i'll be like well you don't know what the hell you're talking about (laughs) you know so it's like yeah yeah they're
0: very they're a very tough group and it's in and like you said it's a very tough uh it's a very tough beat to get thrown into well that's where the whole
1: stepford that's where the whole stepford fan stereotype came from you know because it was like they were notoriously, they, there's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, like they're, they're very loyal and they're very passionate and like flyers articles do very well on crossing broad, you know, Anthony's it's stuff nice. does very well and they, they will be loyal and they will read uh, what you write, but you kind of have to be like, you kind of have to, um, pr- I don't know, pr- prove yourself or prove your quality or like, like show that you know what you're talking about. You kind of got to a lot, a lot of those, those principles of like, like Philadelphia parochial parochialism are are like, you know, the applied times 10 for the flyers. Cause it's like, well, if you're one of us and you know the team and you have some institutional knowledge here, you're in and we trust you. But if you're, if you're, if like, if you're in, you're really in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're like out, you're really out. You know what I mean? So it's hard for a young reporter to come into a, a situation like that. And,
0: and yeah, the uh, only harder one I could, I could think of is probably would be the Eagles just to get dropped in there and just be like, Hey, you know, Go right about the Eagles because everyone has an opinion about the Eagles. I mean, I, sometimes it's like, yeah. would you rather have a siloed fan base that is insane, or would you rather have a citywide fan base that is insane? Um, I feel yeah, like yeah. No, you're crazy. right. I mean, like that's 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 hard. I, yeah, I mean, um, you know,
1: especially going going from you know, in that case, you went from college college sports to pro sports. You know, Philly and Philly is such a unique market. I mean, it's hard it's hard to make those those comparisons. You know, um,
0: yeah, yeah. Nah. All right. Hey, listen, let's get on, on to our guests yeah. uh, today. Sure. We've got uh, we've got Kenny Chu and Mohan Sesadri of the Asian Pacific Islander Political Alliance. Fellas, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you. Uh, you joining us today. Um, Mohan, I wanted to ask you first, can you give us some background on on your organization over there? Sure.
2: So we're Pennsylvania's statewide Asian American civil rights organization. So we work year round across the state to advocate for our communities, uh, to make sure that our people are getting what they need from, especially city and state government across the Commonwealth, uh, and we do that in fifteen different languages because of how many people in in all of our Asian American communities uh, don't speak English or just don't speak enough English to, you know, uh, have an effective conversation in in anything other than their mother tongue.
0: Great. Great, Kenny. Thanks for joining us, man. What's um what's your involvement with the group? Sup,
2: Kyle. Sup, Kevin.
3: Um, I'm Kenny. Um, it's it's, i'm part of like this larger chinatown coalition part of a group called the students for the preservation of chinatown and as much as i i love the sixers and would love to be speaking about dame right now unfortunately you know we're we're here in the middle of a fight for chinatown yeah
1: Yeah. well i well i think i i can only say for myself i would much rather be talking about this than damian lillard right now i think i i I can only i can only take some so many uh at sloppy NBA, um, you know, trade trade rumors per per the summer, but but I assume you are still going to support the Sixers, just just not in a uh, a, a center city arena that butts up against Chinatown. Yeah,
3: yeah, of course, it's just a little harder to watch it this year, you know.
1: <laughs> so what's your so where are you at? I'll start with you, Kenny, and then Mohan, if you want to take it. What just just generally right now, as of July thirteenth, twenty twenty three, where where are you at on the uh, the arena proposal?
3: Right, yeah, um, I think we're about almost a year since the Sixers have announced this project and they've been no further, which is, of course, really good for our side. Um, They said they wanted to put in legislation in um, last spring, I think, and now they're moving it back to the fall. So that's been great news for us. Um, We're we're sort of like the coalition as a whole is sort of approaching this from like many, many different angles, whether it's through city council or, or organizing the restaurant owners or mobilizing the residents. Yeah, we're really trying to um, approach this issue
2: from all sides. What do you think, Moha? Yeah, I mean, like Kenny said, it's been a year, right? And we still haven't seen complete details, right? We haven't seen the financing. We haven't seen the complete plans. And, you know, where I'm at is our, our community members, especially our small business owners. And I want to stress that, you know, that's not just Chinese Chinatown-based small business owners. We're hearing this from folks in, you know, across the area. They're scared. You know, they don't know how this is going to impact them. They especially don't know how six years of nonstop construction before we even get to the arena being built and all of the impact that that would have on all of our communities and all of our neighborhoods would have. And so, you know, where we're at is uh, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to see some um, some evidence from these developers that they have the financing. We'd like to see some actual plans written down on paper rather than just, you know, fancy graphics and, you know, fancy artwork and things like that. We'd like to see, you know, the actual plans so that we can engage with that meaningfully rather than right now where we just have, you know, a lot of stuff being told to elected officials. We have $2 million being spent by these developers to lobby uh, city government and city council, but we still don't have any actual details so that we can understand how this is, you know, how this is going to impact our communities.
0: Go ahead, Kyle, you got it? Is there anything that you guys would see that would make you, I don't want to say pro arena, but maybe like, okay, I can see a vision. I can see a reason why the arena could go here and it could also positively affect Chinatown.
2: I think it's hard to see that at this point, you know, like maybe if they had come to community members and community leaders and these small businesses before making that announcement and been like, what do you need? What do you need to see? Let's have a dialogue. Does this even make sense or are you or or, or would this negatively impact your community? If they had you know, done what they've claimed that they're doing and been a good neighbor this entire time, I think that we could probably have a rational discussion about the impacts of, of this arena. And what you know, what could be done to mitigate that? But instead, you know, there was that parking bill thing where they tried to sneak legislation through an unrelated bill, you know, completely at the eleventh hour in you know mid December when everyone was trying to go on Christmas break. Uh, they just you know they got caught, you know, allegedly given four hundred thousand dollars to a to a mayoral candidate. They just got uh, I think slapped with a fine or something by the Philly Board of Ethics for hiding uh, the amount of money they have spent on lobbying our elected officials. All while, again, saying that they want to be a good neighbor, while sneaking around, spreading misinformation about the project, not giving any of these details, and so it's just frankly hard to trust them and trust the process uh, that they're claiming that they're going through when uh, you know they've been lying about it and just going behind our backs from the very beginning. So I think other development, other developers, yeah, let's have a conversation about that. But these developers and this de- development, a year, you know, a year into this it feels hard to come back from all of the misinformation and deception that we've seen for the past year. Kenny, do you have a sense of, uh, like, I'm not going to ask you to put a number on it, but I mean, it,
1: it would you say that the community is overwhelmingly uh, against the arena or do you have some people who are kind of straddling the fence or, or, or kind of, kind of going in another direction? Right. Um, yeah. The, one of the, um, leading nonprofits community
3: organizations, um, PCDC, they, they recently run, went around, um, and asked all the residents as well, as small business owners, if they wanted this arena. And um, it came out to be like, I think it was 93% of business owners were against this and 94% of residents were against this as well. And yeah, um, like Mohan said, we are, we are like, as we're doing this work, we're, we're hearing like common themes of feeling like this arena is a threat because, um, you know, uh, I'm sure you'll have heard about, um, what's it called like the the history of Chinatown and the the threats and the buildings that have sort of inboxed Chinatown into the small space that it is today so yeah people are worried about displacement people are worried about traffic people are worried about the 6 years of hazardous construction and demolition
2: yeah and just no, yeah if, go ahead if I could jump in just to say you know one of the reasons why community leaders community elders especially are against this is that they've seen and heard this before You know, the convention center, for example, displaced 200 Chinese, mostly non-English speaking elders who were living in, you know, low income housing in what is now the convention center. All sorts of promises were made around, uh, you know, resettling those folks and finding them new homes. And in large part, none of those promises ever came through. You know, you know, promises like this were made to D.C. Chinatown with the stadium that was built some like 20 years ago. And in just a couple of short years. DC Chinatown went from 3000 residents to 300 residents and there's you know the joke in DC is that it's Chinatown without the Chinese. And so when we talk about community opposition it's really grounded in our people having been through this in the past, our people have, have seen and heard all of this before. There's more money behind this, right? In the past, you know, developers and and the city didn't spend 2 million, 3 million dollars trying to push this thing through. But the, the promises, they've definitely heard it before. And when we talk about you know, 93 95%, et cetera, against it, one of the really important things to know is that you know, the, the, those small businesses that aren't saying that they're against it, in large part, they're not saying that they're for it. They're saying they need to see the plan in or, before they make up their mind. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. unsure about it because they haven't received enough details. So when the Sixers
1: say straight up, we had David Adelman on the show, what, like a month ago, Kyle, six weeks or something like that. Um, he went on the record saying that they're not going to displace a single Chinatown business or resident, noting that, uh, yeah, it's going to butt right up against the community, obviously. But I think the distinction that he was drawing was talking about the use of eminent domain, building within the the limits 676, cutting the neighborhood in half. I mean, when you hear stuff like that, um, I mean, what, what is what is your reaction to that?
2: I would say one thing is just like, that's not a thing that he can promise, right? That's not a thing that he can actually just like say is not going to happen and we can believe is not going to happen, especially because, you know, we want to stress when we say, you know, this arena is or isn't in Chinatown, it's somewhere between six feet and one inch from the first Chinatown business. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us would want an 18,000 18,500 person arena right next to our apartment right that would like we know that that would cause impacts on our homes we know that that would drive up the the rent in the area because now other you know you know big chains and things like that want to move in the area and struggling immigrant and refugee you know working class small businesses just can't necessarily survive that and I, i'd say the 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 you know the reason we especially know that is because we've seen this happen in other chinatowns with dc chinatown being the really notable uh you know example of this
0: would the proposed community benefits I, I forget if the number was like 50 million or 75 million um david did say it on on, on the program earlier uh, the community benefits to to chinatown he also mentioned that they would feature their businesses in the arena during games to to be honest it, it's a better deal than you were given with the phillies Definitely better deal than the six seventy six. Definitely better deal than I think there was casinos that were proposed there. There was prisons that were proposed there. It's the best deal Chinatown has ever gotten for an arena. Does that ease any of the tensions? That help ease the community businesses and stuff that they that they said they will uh, will help impact the businesses from uh, from their standpoint.
3: Um. Well, I think well we think it it seems like a great pitch from the outside, but well Chinatown Chinatown is definitely just more about more and other things than just money, you know, people um, like me, people like Mohan, um, we want to keep our livelihoods. This is our community, our cultural heritage. This is where people have raised their families and worked their whole lives to establish, you know, their small businesses and um, not everything we want to solve in Chinatown or um, what we want to see can be overcome with money. So, um, yeah, and we're really not sure if community benefits can even be given if, you know, if a community were to be displaced, I know I've heard some rumblings around the Barclays Center and, and their, their community um, really asking like where this community benefits agreement has gone.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, just, I think one, you know, like on that note is these, th- it's not like these things have to, fl- like the money has to flow, right? If, if there's no, if the nonprofits don't exist anymore because they've been displaced, if the community doesn't exist because they've been displaced, the money is not going to keep flowing, right? The, 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 you know, the spigot's going to get turned off. And just to say, you know, we look at the value of Chinatown as our people's home. You know, we look at it as, especially after, you know, a couple of years now, of just really increased um, anti-Asian violence. Chinatown is the place where our elders go to walk the streets at night and feel safe and feel like they're not going to attack, get, get attacked. And so we, you know, we stack that like a place where our people can come to be safe safe there's no amount of money that can make up for that you know and so we're going to we're going to fight to defend our people's home and we're going to fight to defend the place where our community can go to feel safe and practice their heritage and and worship and things like that
0: so so it, it seems like what you're saying is like if this arena goes in it'll completely flatten Chinatown like Chinatown will not be existent really is what i'm getting at i don't want to put words in your mouth but is that what you're kind
2: of getting at that's our expectation. And, you know, I want to say, it's, you know, maybe it, it's not going to happen within six months, but we know it's going to happen. Right. We've seen this across the country. Uh, we've seen this in D.C. We've seen this in you know other places on the West Coast um, that this whole like death by a thousand cuts, especially when it comes to the the rents rising, people not being able to afford to be in the area, them getting pushed out. And also this makes it harder for our people to get to Chinatown. Right. A a really important thing to know about uh, Philly's Chinatown is that it's not sustained by tourism. It's sustained by regulars. And so when we look at, for example, when there's a big convention at the convention center, business in Chinatown drops because not everybody, and a a majority of people going to that conference or that convention or that, you know, whatever, at the convention center, they're not all going to Chinatown. And in the meantime, traffic is, is worse, parking is worse, And so the regulars, the predominantly Asian American regulars that sustain Chinatown and keep it solvent, they can't actually get to Chinatown. I was in Chinatown, you know, this past Sunday, and I spent 30 minutes circling the block looking for parking. And that was just a regular Sunday where people were just getting dim sum or going to church and things like that. I can't imagine how much harder it would would be on game night or things like that for for our people to actually get to those businesses and, you know, maybe you try once and you fail and you're willing to try again but if you keep going trying to get to Chinatown and every single time it takes a half hour or an hour to find parking or get in and out and you know you have to be worried about you know this place being dark however many nights a year it's going to go dark and like you know who might be hanging around that space in that time you're just going to stop going and if you stop going and you're the regular and that's what sustains the business then that business goes under
1: well, I think, I think I'm glad you kind of touched, touched on, on those specific kind of things, because I think the one thing that's been kind of lacking, at least like within like the first five or six months of the, the discussion is that you heard this, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this big sweeping macro level of hyperbolic kind of language where it's going to destroy Chinatown, or it's going to erase our culture or whatever. And I think, OK, that's that's. That's fine. Like we, I think the people who understand the nuance of it know that it's not like they're bringing a, a wrecking ball to the, to the friendship arch, right? What we're talking about is rents rising, gentrification creeping in, talking about cars circling and and whatnot. Is it, am I, am I touching on the, the right criticisms that the community has of this, Kenny? Is that the specific stuff that people are, are concerned about?
3: Yeah, I think you're totally right. Displacement is not
1: is not just you know, putting
3: an arena on top of homes and businesses, which of course that's not what it's doing. But displacement, you know, it can happen before even this arena is opened. Even if it's not you know directly replacing certain buildings or homes, um, it can happen when construction or roads being blocked um, decreases traffic for Chinatown, and the customer base for Chinatown, and when these businesses can't or when customers can't get to these small businesses, that's when they start to close and then say this arena does open. Then you have 18,500 people, I think, coming in all at once. And we think that the chaos here um, that it can bring would also um, force families to be really afraid of what can go on. Um, you know, I think um, even I just want to like touch, touch on like even before, this is built, all this construction, this dust, this demolition. I think families would be um, really hesitant to stay in Chinatown. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to live next to six years of this loud construction and drilling. Um, I'm not sure. Well, we we know that many business owners are not even sure that they can survive before the arena is even open, given all of us.
2: Yeah. And just to say, like, it's hard, you know, the more specifics and the more details were given about the project, the more we can respond to right? Yeah. If, sure. if all we're dealing with is hyperbolic statements like yeah. this arena is not going to displace a single Chinatown business and there's enough parking in Center City to handle this, which like, talk about a hyperbolic statement. Like, do we really think that there's enough parking in Center City to handle this? Do we really think that all of these folks who've spent years, if not decades, driving to South Philly are all of a sudden going to take public transportation or an Uber to the game, the more we're given concrete details, the more we can concretely respond to no, that. I, th- I think, I think, a, a, yeah, I know. think a good, I think a, the the next natural step in
1: all this is the city's doing the study, right? And, and I, did do you guys have any idea, Mohan, when that
2: we're supposed to be done with with that study? Was it like the end of the summer or something? maybe? I think it, end of the summer. Although I will say that we do have a lot of concerns about it, um, and I'm happy to go into that. You know, if we got time for that. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, So I'd say one thing is just the the way these studies have been framed. First of all, they're being paid for by the Sixers, which we we think that, you know, this an in, we we called for, Chinatown called for an in, completely independent third party study. And we just think that if they're being paid for by these developers, at the end of the day that taints the process, right? That tarnishes the process, that makes it so much harder for us to for and especially our community members to trust the results of the RFP. You know, we can dress it up as you know, the money is gonna go from the developers to the city and then the city is gonna pay it out. But at the end of the day, the people doing the study know who they're working for and they're gonna to wanna to get contract, like fat contracts from these developers in the future. The second thing is just that the way the, the RFP for this study is, it was written, the question is not, is this arena a good idea? Will this arena negatively impact Chinatown? The question that's being asked is what needs to happen to mitigate the harms of an arena. And that's an entirely different question, right? This it assumes that the arena is going to happen and it's what needs to happen around the arena, for example, for a CBA, and not is this even a good idea? Will this actually benefit not just, you know, Chinatown, but also the entire city? And you know, we stacked all of that up against all of our concerns, including traffic and parking, including six years of construction, where like I, I go to Jefferson, right? if i'm like in an ambulance on my way to jefferson like i have been in the past just to be real um i don't want that ambulance to have to wade through a bunch of construction or a bunch of you know fans spilling on the street making it harder for me to get my get the care that i need you know especially in an emergency and i can't imagine how many other folks are also scared i can't imagine how the doctors and nurses at jefferson are feeling about how much harder it's going to be to do their jobs in an environment like this and so i do want to emphasize you know, we're here because we care about our people and we care about our community, but there are so many other things that gotta that have to be studied in an independent, completely third party, complete you know, completely fair and unbiased manner. And to us, the place where these studies are at right now, that ain't it.
0: So so I'm looking at it right now on the City of Philadelphia website, and it does, the headline does say City to Independently Evaluate Impacts of Proposed Arena on East Market Street. And the studies will assess building design, community impact, urban planning, economic impact, and parking slash traffic impact. You're saying the people who are doing these studies you think are, for lack of a better word, in bed with the Sixers or in bed with the union workers or in bed with the labor union guys who want to get the cash
2: off these, uh, these stadiums. I would say, I mean, you know, what, what I'll say is that the, you know, a thing that we found out that, you know, it was it was said very casually to us, it wasn't like formally announced, no one was like, and, and it will be paid for the developers. It was, you know, a casual random aside in a meeting we were having where they were like, oh yeah, the developers are paying for this, you know, no one kind of like read us into all of this. It was a complete, we were blindsided in the same way that a year ago, we were blindsided with this uh, proposal Complete, you know, overall. And so we're, we're we've been doing a lot of work the entire time to to try to make these studies better to try to make them independent to try to make them third party to try to make them just broader and actually study all of the things that we need to study including environmental harms including health harms you know again six years of construction and pollution being pumped into our elders lungs doesn't sound healthy to me um but at the moment yeah it's it, they're not broad enough they're not deep enough they're not expansive enough the, the traffic and parking thing is a great example where, um, you know, I want to say that there's there's a lot of conversation about this happening internally between a number of our folks and the folks involved in the study even today. And so my hope is that this get fi- gets fixed. But a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, the, the folks at the city said that they were just going to take the developers' traffic and parking study at its word. And that is gonna be what they, they look at when it comes to traffic and parking. They're not gonna do a completely separate third-party traffic and parking study because the developers already did that. And that, that study by the developers assumes that 70% of uh, ticket holders are not going to drive into Center City and need parking, which feels just hard to believe on the face of it, considering how many people drive to South Philly, right? It feels hard that everybody's just gonna overnight switch their behavior it also assumes that every one of those you know 30 uh, percent of cars that are going in are each going to have three sixers fans and three ticket holders in that which yeah. is also yeah. super unlikely you know well we
1: talked about yeah and we and we talked about about that topic with david you know the fact that like i mean look you guys know that we live in a very like old school parochial i mean people have been going down to the sports complex kenny for for how long i mean like that's you just know like that's where the stadiums are i mean that's every every you know the concrete jungle right so i mean yeah i mean i think my skepticism was like well you know you got to convince people first uh to to take public transit you know and then that whole line has to be set up for people to you know to facilitate that many people so we'll see but um Kenny, I got kind of like a two-part here. Like, do you have a general sense of what people in the community feel about the Greyhound Terminal and the current site of and the Fashion District as it currently stands? And and because the reason I ask you that is a setup question. Is you know is there concern that if the Sixers Arena doesn't get built, that they're just going to demolish that and build some shit that you guys don't want? Something else that you guys don't want. You know, do you think think about like the lesser of two evils here in a sense. Um. With regards to the fashion district and the gallery,
3: I feel like we've seen all these like big box, big corporate, um, giant structures in and around Chinatown. And and I, I feel like they fail every time. You know, if we see the convention center, it's whenever there's not an event, it's dark and it's vacant. Um, and there's crime and trash, which was what will happen with the 76ers arena because, um, it's at their estimates open 40% of the year. Um, so we just think that vibrant communities, we we don't need these sort of big boxes that are rarely open. You know, we want small businesses, we want homes in our communities. And um, I think I'm, a, I'm personally like a little mixed against the Greyhound Station. I know like they moved it over a few blocks and now people don't even like have a place to sit and they're waiting for their buses. But you, know, that, but you know but
1: you know what i'm getting at man like right like that's go that's going away regardless like if 76 place goes in there okay but if not something else is and mm-hmm. like so i would i would also say like i would throw this to mohan too like i mean you know well if that doesn't get built i mean if some other developer comes in mace rich sells that half of the fashion district to somebody else and then they knock that down and they build like high rises there you know i mean is that a concern that you guys have thought about
2: yeah, and I'd say that, you know, talking about the lesser of two evils, right? Like, my hope is that future developments and future developers would meet with our community on the front end before announcing these massive projects and talk about how to make this work, right, in a way that these developers did not. And so, you know, would if, if, we, if we win, if we stop this arena, would another development happen? Probably. But I also think that, like, through all of this, we have shown the city and shown the public how to do development right in regards to Chinatown and what, you know, what it means to be accountable to our community, to the folks who need to get care at Jefferson, to the small businesses surrounding Chinatown, you know, and around Market East, things like that. You know, we look at not just Chinatown, but for example, the, the neighborhood. you know, what's working there is restaurants, it's small businesses, it's homes. And we, we see across the city that that same model is where our communities and our neighborhoods are thriving. And so that's what we'd want to see, but we'd especially want to see other developments to not try to sneak around and do, you know, bullshit parking bills and dump two to three million dollars in lobbying. And that seems like a better way to approach this and approach our communities than how these developers have gone about it.
0: And and don't get me wrong. I I understand, like, if if I was if I live in Fishtown, if this was getting built next to Fishtown and I was like against it and they were like trying to sneak parking bills underneath the underneath the, 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 the dirt, I would be pissed, too. You walk down there and it sucks. Like Market East sucks. Like, let's just be real about it. There are so many shut down places. They call it the fashion district. And like the biggest fashion company there is like a Marshalls or a Ross. Like, that's just, that's hilarious to think about. If the Sixers arena doesn't go in, and David did say that like, they will have businesses running 24-7, 365, kind of like, I don't know if you ever been down to TD Garden in Boston, but there's just a bunch of different businesses and stuff. Like small businesses will will follow, and businesses will follow, and you know money will be infused into the Market East area. So it's it's kind of tough when you just reference the neighborhood and say how good. I don't know why I'm getting feedback, but uh, the neighborhood, and then referencing that, and then saying that like this kind of couldn't work. For Market East and and maybe Chinatown in a way. I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just having a hard time comprehending how this wouldn't be at least a tiny bit beneficial. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't go to Chinatown a lot. If I lived in the suburbs, I wouldn't go to Chinatown a lot. But hey, maybe I came down to a Sixers game and I got some awesome dim sum down the street and I want to go back to that dim sum place when I come back again. There's a convoluted question. I don't know where you want to take it.
2: Would love to hear Kenny's thoughts, also as someone who grew up going to Chinatown. You know, I'll say like, our community does come in from the suburbs, um, you know, to, to go to Chinatown and get them Some that's why you know on Sunday it was uh, so hard to, for me to find parking there already, because fo- because our communities are coming, you know, coming from across Philly, and across you know Delaware and New Jersey and the Philly suburbs to to come to to be in the place where they feel at home and where they feel safe. And that is also what is at risk here, right? We're talking about like, you know, what the, like, is there a little benefit uh, to, to market ease? You know, we say, you know, on behalf of our community, we say like, at what cost, you know, at what cost to our community, at what cost to this thing that does, that, that is, you know, constantly revitalizing our community and is just always, always has something going on. You know, you, you can walk down the streets of Chinatown at 11 PM and the streets, still have people out, and it still feels safe, and it still feels like a good place to be, in contrast to, for example, Market East. And so, where I'm at is, you know, Market East is the heart of our city, right? Center City is the heart of our city. And, you know, rather than just let billionaire developer after billionaire developer, especially after they spent some, what, $400 million on the fashion district, Mm -hmm. rather than just let a new rich guy come in and say, oh, this is my plan, to, for this this thing, and it'll it'll definitely work. Don't worry about it. Let's have the city do a study and actually figure out what is the best use for this area in a way that benefits Philly, that benefits all of our taxpayers, that benefits the local communities that live around it.
0: But but any study that's going to be done is going to be done by the developers. It's going to be done by the union laborers. Like they're going to have a part in every single study, whether it's in Chinatown, Market East, South Philly, West Philly. Like so, like are you ever going to be happy with? any study that's done, unless you guys, you know, appoint someone from Chinatown to be on it with them. And, and, yeah, maybe, and that, that might never happen because I, I don't, I don't know, man, I'm not pro arena. I'm not anti arena. I'm kind of like, if the arena goes in, I don't care if it doesn't go in, I don't care. I'll continue to go down to South. I'll uh, continue living my life. Mm-hmm. But like you look at this deal that the Sixers are proposing and whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it happens or whether it doesn't, it's the best deal Chinatown would probably get in terms of community benefits and everything because if the arena doesn't go in you think some New York developer gives a shit about what Chinatown thinks like let's just be honest let's just call a spade a spade there like something's going in this place the elephant in the room is Masher might default on a debt payment by January and then this could go all up in air and then market East is again just a dead a dead zone
2: yeah
3: with um all due respect i, I feel like um, Chinatown, I feel like is the only vibrant place in market East or next to market East. I, I feel 100%. like, you know, this Chinatown is the only place or is the main focus. I think this is what we need to protect. And when, when it's like regarding what should we build instead, I feel like we can look back at what was built in the footprint of the Phillies proposal. Um, since, since that proposal was crushed, China, Chinatown has built, um, a blue ribbon school called facts. Um, it's built. Um, a Chinese folk cultural center. It's built an arts initiative center. It's built a church um, and a community center as well. So I feel like these these are like the visions that Chinatown is looking like.' We're, I think we're thinking outside the box of like these big corporate chains or these big companies or teams trying to build um, what they want to build. instead, we are looking like we are looking at what the community wants and what um, would benefit the community. And yeah,
1: you're right, the fashion district isn't the answer. But um, neither is the arena for our community. Yeah. Let me ask you, Let me jump in here real quick, Mohan. Let me let me go like, kind of take Kyle's point and kind of spin it off. I'll give you a hypothetical, right? Nobody has proposed this. This is just me concocting this in my head. Let's say, for instance, the Sixers. The Sixers are offering the fifty million dollars community benefits agreement. They're on the record saying that. If enough money from that was allocated to a project like the Six Seventy Six Stitch. And capping the highway and allowing Chinatown to expand north, or even I guess is the Roundhouse not there anymore? So that land is now. But you understand what I'm saying. The thought of like, hey, maybe there's a compromise where the the you know we can build some development north of 676 and kind of bring that back together. Could you see the community maybe accepting some kind of compromise like that?
2: I think that you know just to, to take this like again like i think we're 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 ready to look at hard details and then have a have a real earnest in-depth discussion about their their positives and negatives i think again it's it's really hard to do that when you know there aren't enough details on the financing when when there aren't enough details on what the actual plan is but really especially and again i just want to bring us back to the way these developers have gone about this because that is just core and central to this. They, you know, what Kyle what you were talking about where maybe it's developers and unions and us at a table together hashing this out about what would work and what would be acceptable and all that. That has not happened, you know. Like we're not at the table and and the developers made it clear from the beginning that for all of their rhetoric and all of their PR and all of the money they spent on all of those fancy billboards, they weren't interested whatsoever in having us at the table. And that's been that's that's what makes it hard to just envision any sort of compromise because we're talking about people who've just made it clear from the beginning that they don't actually care about us and that whether or not uh, you know what they're promising fifty million dollars we can't necessarily trust people who've spent millions and millions of dollars to try to ram this thing through to actually pony up even if 50 million dollars was enough to, to, to sustain chinatown against the impacts of six years of construction and then an arena and all that jazz Well, let me ask you this question then i'll ask it in a different way mm-hmm. what would it take to have
1: to get you guys in the sixers on the same page and at least having amicable uh discussions about this
2: I would think it would take going back to the drawing board, right? It's being like, all right, it's been a year. We don't have details. There's been all of this opposition. Let's sit down with these these people and, and, and let's sit down with all of these neighborhoods and just say, hey, should there be an arena here or should we look somewhere else? And then if we're like, no, it should be somewhere, somewhere else, they should be like, all right, these are the options. We'll, we're going to sit down with all of these neighborhoods and all of these communities and see who wants an arena. And then they should build that there. And if no one if no one else other than you know South Philly is like yeah we want an arena they should keep that thing in South Philly, and if it ain't broke you know don't try to fix it. Trying to think of the Sixers
1: side of that too you know I, I asked I would ask the question to probably should ask the question to them um, but you know what would it you know again what would it take to have both sides sitting down. Um, together. What happened at the, the meeting, at the community meeting that, that David Gould w- was at? Um, and why 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 did that kind of devolve into kind of nothingness, for lack of a better word?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I'd say that, you know, it was the first meeting, and Kenny, please jump in, because you were also there. Um, it was the first meeting where we had full language access, right, where we actually translated everything and, and made sure to include you know the members of our community who don't speak any english but still deserve answers on these it was the first opportunity where members of our community had a chance to be face to face with you know the developer staff in a way that wasn't didn't involve people being encouraged to not ask tough questions you know to save face and you know respect our guests in in the community and things like that and so what we saw was the national the the natural reaction of 6 months of misinformation and sneaking around, especially right after that parking bill thing happened. And our folks asked those hard questions and kind of in the face of those hard questions, they left early. David Gould left early. Yeah. And like I said, just to say, you know, Mark Squilla stayed um and answered our tough questions. Representatives from other local elected officials stayed and you know were involved in answering our tough questions. And you know, we had good dialogue with them after. But David Gould and the developers left early. Kenny, go ahead, are you gonna say something definitely wanna
3: Second, like the disrespect we felt, um, it was announced in July, and finally in December, you finally have a public meeting um, with language access with the community you're building in, and definitely just like Adelman or none of the staff being, none of the three owners being there, I I, I definitely thought it was a little weird because I don't know. I'm at, I'm at Penn right now, and Adelman had time to come to a, a real estate class to speak. He's had time to speak to Washington Square West, which, which are things he should do. But, you know, the Chinatown is the nearest community or that this arena is gonna be in. And yeah, we you saw those boos and you saw tough questions because um, Chinatown has seen threats like this. And we, we, we just wanted answers. Like you said, none of the traffic studies that they've been quoting have been released. They don't have concrete financial plans that have been released. So yeah, um, of course, you, you saw booze, you saw anger. Um and I don't know. I just found it really weird that um the developer left really early and mm-hmm. cited like hostility concerns. Um I thought I thought it was finally like really beautiful that the community was in one place and finally had a chance to ask hard
0: questions. Let me those, ask those you. are some solid booze. Those are some solid booze. I'll, they were
1: they would have worked anyway. They would have worked very well in the in the
0: Ben in the Simmons wanna say it, I'll tell you that he would have <laughs> <laughs> it on out of there I
1: let me can't. um let me let me ask you something mohan this is the last one for me unless kyle's got something else uh councilman school has said that in the um process for how this all works he's he's not gonna do oh god i'm trying to think out what he what he said specifically i think he wanted a 60 day um dis- discussion period or debate period with the community maybe you can help me out on that but um he he was he seemed very aware of the concerns of the community and whatnot. Um, my question for you is: What what is the extent, or or what is how much power actually does Chinatown, does the community have in 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 fighting this? Um, not just through like you know protests and like Kenny, you guys had the the march through the streets a couple of weeks ago, but what are some actual tangible things that can, can affect the, the process itself based
2: on the the timeline and the setup that the councilman gave us? Mm-hmm. For sure. And so just to say, yeah, what we asked for and what the councilman agreed to was this 30-day review period. 30 days. um, You know, uh, we've recently gone back and said, hey, actually, given specifically the language access concerns and just the the lack of, you know, um, it's hard to get information out in so many different languages to our community quickly. We probably actually need more than 30 days just to make sure, especially our elders and our refugee communities have enough time to look at it. But yeah, so what we asked for was basically in between any, you know, zoning legislation for example being written and that being introduced, send it to Chinatown, uh, send it to us and let us read it, digest it and explain it to our communities so that they have all of the facts in the way that they haven't until now. And just to say we specifically asked him for that because of the parking bill stuff, because of the way that it was slipped in at the last minute and we were we had, you know, when we caught it, no one, you know, like no one in office, no one in government told us about it. We caught it. Um, and then we had just 24 hours to mobilize to make sure that our voices were heard in that process. And it's pretty clear to us that when we're talking about working class communities and small business owners who you know, don't necessarily speak a lot of English, we need more time than 24 hours to educate our communities and make sure that they have all of the resources that they need to make the, their voices heard and participate in our democracy. And so, in terms of the you know the power we have, um, you know, I'd say you know protests are great, rallies are great, but especially it's making sure that our city council members, as the people who work for us, as the people whose salaries are paid for with our taxes, just as much as they're paid for by everyone else in Philly, we want to make sure that they're hearing our voices, and especially I would say hearing the voices of not just Chinatown, because I think we we've seen pretty clearly that so much of the city is against this actually, that South Philly is against it because of the way that this would impact jobs in South Philly, um, that, you know, during the election, I was out knocking doors uh, in Northeast Philly and I had folks from all different communities uh, talking to me out at the arena and saying, we're against it because we've grown up our entire lives driving to South Philly and going to the arena and we don't have wanna have to go in and out of center city ever, but especially for a game like this. And we really wanna make sure that the okay. entire city has an opportunity to make their their voices heard in a thing that is actually going to affect the entire city. You know, not just in terms of this being the heart of our city, but also in terms of what tax breaks are the developers asking for, or you know, they've committed to not take a, a dollar of city funding, but they've not made that commitment for state and federal funding, and those are our tax dollars as well. And so we want to make sure that there's a, a you know a, a thorough process that actually gives everybody the opportunity to make their voices heard, be part of our democracy make sure that our city council is responsive to us, and then let's have a decision on this.
3: Yeah, I definitely want to add a little touch on what power does the community have. Um, Squilla is obviously our council member. He's not the council member for the Sixers. Not He's not for Edelman. Um, and, yeah, I totally think we have so much power in our hands. Um, Mohan and I, we're, we're here just trying to continue continue the legacy of Chinatown's you know, history of of fighting, predatory development and land grabs like this, Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to enjoy Chinatown and what it's had to offer me in my childhood if the casinos went through, if the federal prison went through, if um, the Philly Stadium went through. So Ili totally. I feel like we have a lot of power and Mark Squilla, he, at one meeting, he said that if our community didn't want it, then um, it wouldn't be built. So we are going to try to hold him to that and we are you know, we're we're expressing our voices and we feel like as a community, um, we deserve to have self-determination and self agency in, in what gets built, whether it's next to or around us.
0: Kev, okay, I got one more. Is that good? Yeah. You guys you guys got one second? Um, do you think the win by Sherelle Parker in uh, in the primary who Let's just be honest, we'll probably be the presumed mayor uh, in November. Do you think that's a win for the community of Chinatown? Do you think that's a, a loss? Because obviously she was backed pretty hard by the labor unions.
2: I think we're not making any assumptions, you know? She, she said throughout the, um, you know, throughout the election that she thinks that community has a central role in deciding development that affects them. And we got to, you know, we got to meet with her and we want to do that soon to, to see where she's at. But we're not, you know, until then, we're not making any assumptions about whether or not she's for or against this um, because of her history of, of standing with communities when it comes to development um, just as much as she has that history, obviously, of, you know, working with, for example, building trains unions and construction unions and things like that. Mm, great. And so, yeah. So we're not, you know, I don't want to put words in her mouth and we got to sit down and br- and bring her to Chinatown and, and talk about what the, the impact that this is going to have on our community before we know what we're dealing with. Cool. You got all
0: good, Kev? I'm good. I'm good. Guys, thank, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's not an easy conversation. I, it, it's hilarious that we're talking about this, and it's eight years out, and we don't even know if it's going to be built or, you know, we're still waiting for <laughs> some impact study. We're still waiting for all this and everything, but we really appreciate you guys coming on and, and, and kind of being the face and, and taking these questions and kind of educating our audience. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
2: Of course, and thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All, all right. Take you. You. care. Cool. All right,
1: Pagans.
0: Sorry, my mic went unplugged. unplugged. No, That's not good. Um, yeah, fine. I mean, that was, I really enjoyed that conversation. Sure. I think it kind of, uh, I don't know, it gave me some insight into, you know, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be pissed off at a lot of this stuff.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a lot of, um, I, I'm a pragmatist, right? So I kind of look at it from a neutral perspective and I'm saying like, okay, how do, how do you move this forward, right? Um, you know, I, I think like when the study comes out um, and you can have, you know, qualms or issues with who's paying for it or who's funding it or whatever, but that that's going to provide more detail. Um, You know, the, the the thing that Mohan kept saying is that they want, they want more information, right? They want yeah. more detail, right? They want more. And David said that, I think when he was on the show with us, I mean, like they, they're, they're in a, a period where they're um pushing out more uh, info about what this is actually going to look like or what it's going to take or whatever. So I would love to see both sides find a way to like compromise on it and and make sense and you know i think you had a good point there man about like hey you know this might be a deal that you should take you know because i think the risk is that they they fight it and fight it and then like it gets pushed through anyway and um you know are you going to be like holding the bag you know not the bag that the kids like but the old bag you know so it's a lot to think about. It. It's interesting. It's much better than talking about whether James Harden is coming back or not. You know?
0: Yeah, my God, in the middle of July. Uh, sources <laughs> say he is, according to uh, the athletics. So I have fun running it back there. Um no, yeah, I, yeah, I mean it, it, it's, it, it's, it's at it's the like, end of the like, day. The, the Sixers and the Chinatown community just have to sit down. Like the, the organizers and and David and Josh and yeah. and, and Blitzner just just gotta sit down in some private ceremony. Don't live stream it don't bring the community bring your five best we'll bring their five best like a pickup yeah. game all right yeah. and just, we, just like an down. Inter,
1: like an intervention where we will i'll call edelman and i'll be like hey um come down we're gonna get dinner but i'll 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 get chinatown i'll tell chinatown the same thing and then they show up and they see each other and i sneak out i sneak out the back door or something i say all right you guys Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's
0: leaving until you figure this the fuck out. Nobody's man, right? leaving
1: until you figure
0: this out. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, now, nah, man. But shout out to those guys, man. Like, I, I think Kenny's like what, 22 Like at twenty-two, I'd be like a rambling mess. Be like, duh, uh, duh, duh. like, what do you think about the Temple football stadium, Kyle? Duh, 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 duh. Oh yeah. I'm what was that.
1: I doing? I was, I was like sitting in my dorm room playing like Warcraft. You know, what was yeah. there's nothing to protest in West Virginia anyway. I guess like the coal, coal mining or something but uh
0: yeah yeah should sorry. should should the mountaineers build a bigger stadium for a 9 and 17 <laughs> or an even bigger stadium for a nine and se- and, and and seven football
1: teams? no we were good when i was we were much better than nine and well you didn't play 16 games a year but uh yeah there were there wouldn't have been any issues with uh displacing anybody in morgantown because there's plenty of land plenty of free land to go around in west virginia you know so yeah
0: all right well hey i think that's all we have for today i don't really feel like talking about uh juan soto flying on the jet plane which was pretty cool yeah. and uh, with the phillies and then uh if keith jones farts enough or not so i think that's where we can joey b anyway. joey b was asking for my next home project i'm, I'm moving some boulders
1: and i'm going to put river rock around the around the boulders so that's kind of, I'm going to make my house like, like a Poconos kind of house. You're going to do some relocation. Wow. Digging yeah. up river rock. The The previous owners let the river rock sink into the mud pagan. So I got to dig out the river rock and reset it
0: and power oh. wash it. Those motherfuckers, man. The, the, some of the stories that I hear from your, your home improvement renovation, didn't you, didn't you pop up a tile on your basement uh, ceiling and a snake fell through or something like that? No, no that that's actually happened? a
1: real funny story. I'll tell it real quick. When we, when we moved into our house, um, There was a there was like two teenage kids who were living there previously, and they threw this like raging party at the height of COVID, right? Like two months into COVID or whatever. And and a bunch of people got sick. But we kept finding like examples, like evidence of this party, like for a couple months after we moved into the house. And I was messing, I was trying to get something, I was messing with the drop ceiling and I was trying to like straighten something out. And I kept hearing this rattling sound, like a sound like glass, like knocking around. What the fuck is going on here? So I put, put, pushed the, Pushed the uh, drop ceiling tiles up and moved it. And there was a bunch of Bud Light bottles that some like jokester like pushed the thing up and he just like placed them in the ceiling. So for, for the next homeowner to find, you know, still so. full, empty. No, they were empties, thankfully. Yeah, or else it would have
0: leaked through the ceiling and I would have to replace the tiles. That's anyway. true. That's true. Those damn whippersnappers, man. Those damn teenagers. Oh, man. Me hey, Bob, listen. Sheila. Yeah. thank you to everybody who uh, who showed up today to talk thank you to uh craig on the ones and twos back there and thank you to uh to kenny and mohan for coming on we will talk to you on tuesday and uh, have a great rest of the day have a great weekend